the next nine weeks, we are going to dive into this new preaching series. And it is an opportunity for us to open up our lives, our hearts, the whole of our hearts, the whole of our lives to the person of Jesus Christ afresh. It's an opportunity to say, Jesus, I want to follow you with my whole being, my heart, my mind, my body. I want to follow you and I want to walk with you. So I, I'm really excited that even this morning as just in, during worship, it felt like God was beginning to invite us into that space of saying, come on, I'm, I am serious about pursuing you and I want you to be serious about pursuing me. So we're going to base this series on a book by a guy called Pete Scazzaro, um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Um, there are numbers of books, so you have the main book, you have this Emotionally Healthy Day by Day, which is um, kind of twice daily meditations, uh, just leading us into um, the presence of God, just being with him. Um, that's, the, that's the purpose of this book. Um, there's a workbook as well, but if you were to, in fact, can I encourage you to invest in one book this week, to go on Amazon, so I don't mind if you pull out your phone now and hit order. If you were to get one book out of the two, go for this one, the day by day. It's about 10 pounds, um, and we are going to, as a church from next week, we're going to, from next Sunday, um, well, Monday in fact, we're going to begin to work through this together as a church, just as a family, um, use this book as a, as a place just for learning to, again, together, set those rhythms and habits of being with Jesus daily. It is a superb um, devotional book. Uh, it's, oh, sorry, Jamie, you're right, mate. <laughs> That's, you're all right. You carry on. Um, and we are going to use this to, to work through together over these nine weeks to help us set some rhythms and habits in our lives afresh. So this is the one to go for. Um, the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, as I said, is written by the guy Pete Scazzaro. He leads a church in New York City. He was a guy, um, is a guy, who, who has led a church for many years. He was doing all the right stuff. He had uh, habits and rhythms in place of following Jesus. He would walk with Jesus daily. He was leading a church. Um, he was doing all the right stuff. But then came the painful realization for him that throughout all of that, even though he'd been doing the right things, he'd actually neglected his emotional inner world. And Suddenly, he realized that his relationships weren't in a great place. His marriage wasn't in the great place that he thought it was. And his church also wasn't in the great place that he thought it was. And his inner well-being, his inner world, actually, he realized he'd neglected that part of who he is as a person alongside his walk with Jesus. And for many of us, we'll, we'll dig into this in just a moment, but I wonder that that may be a, a true position for many of us also. We read our Bibles, we pray, we go to church, we go to small groups, we worship, yet we have this whole arena of our life, our inner world, full of emotions and challenge and conflict, and actually we haven't learned in our walk with Jesus to 
open our hearts to him fully. There are areas of our lives that we try and hide from him. And all through this mess, all through this mess for Peter Scazzaro, he, he began to realise that God was calling him to walk deeply in the place of his emotions. And he had, I'm going to call it a revelation, he doesn't call it that, but he had this realisation that actually we are integrated people, that we are to walk with Jesus, we're spiritual people made to walk with him. But also we have a wellspring of life, our heart, our inner world, that is to likewise be alive, shaped by Jesus, encountering him. And really, in some ways, that kind of summarizes what we're going to do over these nine weeks, that if you want to be fully alive with Jesus, mentally alive, socially alive, physically alive with him, then actually we need to allow God to access our inner world. That actually we have to be vulnerable and open ourselves to God in that way. And if there was a key verse for this series, not that there is, I've just um, decided, but it's simply this, John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that you may have life and life in its fullness. I have come, Jesus said, that you may have life and life in its fullness. So one of those nice awkward moments that you love, turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus has come that you can have life and life in its fullness. different or very different to that. I think many of us get stuck. We, we decide in our hearts and minds, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in who he is, that he has made a way for us to receive eternal life, forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with our Heavenly Father. And we kind of step into the Christian life like we step into a door. And then we kind of, I mean, We've received life. But then we kind of get stuck at that point and we then don't grow as a follower of Jesus. Our lives are not being shaped by Jesus in every sphere, i.e. the fullness of life. Jesus doesn't just invite you to believe in him so that one day you'll be with him forever. He invites you into life that is true life, into fullness of life, now today in fact. That we are being, uh, we're going from glory to glory, that we are being sanctified, the Bible calls it, made more like Jesus day by day. And so as we go forward, my prayer is that for us as a church community, that would be true of us, that we say, it kind of feels like we're discovering fullness of life in Jesus in a new way, in a new moment. That our hearts are full of joy as we see what God is doing among us. So we love the promise but we look at the reality of our lives, that low-level anxiety that kind of grips the Western world. We're exhausted, we're busy, 
We feel like we're running and running and running and we don't feel very productive in that. We carry deep disappointments in our lives. We're battling with illness, financial hardship, physical health. We feel isolated, drained in our emotions, disillusioned with work. And we kind of go, it's not quite, life isn't quite matching up to that, to the words of Jesus. And if we're not careful, we can begin to feel like maybe, maybe the words of Jesus aren't actually that true for me or for his followers. <clears throat> so, these nine weeks, I believe God wants to close that gap in our lives. I really believe, it's been said already this morning, that God wants to do a new thing among us. And I want to invite you to, as we journey through this, to open your heart to the word of God afresh and say, God here, bring this heart fullness of life. In John chapter 7, Jesus said this, well, on the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and in a loud voice said this, anyone who is thirsty can come to me and drink. And whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within their inmost being. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus' invitation to us, again, is if you are thirsty, all that list of challenges and anxieties that we're living with, if you are thirsty, Jesus' invitation to you is come and drink. Come and satisfy the deepest thirst, the deepest longings of your heart in him. And as you do that, streams of rivers of living water will flow from within you. That's amazing, isn't it? And either Jesus means these incredible truth statements, either they're true, sorry, either they're true, or they're not true. Jesus wasn't just talking in hyperbole saying, yeah, yeah, if you follow me, life gets a little bit better. No, either he means these things, fullness of life, streams of living water, thirst satisfied, or he doesn't mean it. When Jesus said these words to uh, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel in the first century, they were ruled by the iron fist of Rome. They, they hadn't had a prophet speak to them for over 400 years, the words of God. They were drowning in their sin, the temple system at the heart of their faith and community, and for them as a nation, had become deeply corrupt. These people were thirsty and longing and hungering for a Messiah who would come and liberate them, and heal them, and cause them to, and restore them to be who he had said they were to be. So they're crying out in this festival, on the greatest day of this festival, save us, God, hear our prayer. God, come, rescue us. And into this, this young rabbi comes, and he stands up. He just said, anyone who is thirsty, Anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink living water. And Jesus 
He knew, he was saying to them, if you, if you come to me, if you follow me, if you chase after me, if you listen to me and trust me, receive me and submit to me and proclaim me as Lord and King, I will transform your whole world. I will transform everything of your community, your friendships, your life, your family, your marriage, your work. If you'll follow me as my disciple, out of your heart, living water will flow. So that water flows from within our inmost being, our our heart. And here's the challenge for us, that there is a wrestling for our hearts. This morning, I just, in these few minutes, I want to focus right into the inner person, our heart. There is a wrestling for your heart, but Christian, I want to encourage you with this. If you would give Jesus access to every area, every recess, every corner, every part of your heart, allow him to be Lord and Saviour, he will give you life and life in abundance, Because not because I'm saying it, but that is the promise of Jesus. Doesn't mean you won't face challenge. Doesn't mean you don't face hardship, persecution, sword, famine, nakedness, as Paul said. But you have the fullness of Christ, a stream of living water that flows irrespective of those things. Joy, hope, peace are yours in abundance. And it's not just good for you. That river, as we see in the book of Revelation, it flows. It flows and it brings life. And as that river, that stream of living water flows from our hearts, it brings life into our community and our relationships. The world is transformed through people who are filled with the presence and the person of Jesus Christ by his spirit. So there is a wrestling for our hearts, and we've got to wake up to this. For so long, (coughs) hear my heart on this, Christian, I'm not pointing the finger at you, I'm pointing to myself, but... I look so much like those who don't follow Jesus in the patterns and habits of my life. And I wonder that that may be true for many of us. There are many people who aren't followers of Jesus and they have very rich and healthy emotional inner worlds. And there are many Christians who follow Jesus who say, yes, I've received life and apparently fullness of life, yet the inner worlds are dark places, broken places. And Proverbs 4 tells us this, doesn't it? Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Above everything else, guard your heart. So we need to be pay attention to our hearts. And as a pastor in this church, as a shepherd in this body here, I am asking you, I'm urging us as a church family, can we in this moment say, Jesus, I'm here. I'm yours again. I want to open my life to you, and I'm I'm a bit scared of that because I don't quite know what it means, but Jesus, here, this life, come have your way among me in this moment. Please be serious with that question in this moment. I wonder how many of us know what's going on in the inner parts of our life in these days. I am well aware, just as we prayed for Dave, And Dave, that many of us are facing huge challenges of loss 
and grief, redundancy, oppression of different kinds, hardship, relationship breakdown, marriage breakdown. I'm, I'm aware that these are real things. I'm not trying to make light of our challenges and I'm saying, no, 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 they're real. Therefore, all the more we need to run to Jesus. And in those challenges, in those things going on in your life that are causing you to have to make decisions right now, hard decisions, challenging decisions, how you respond to grief and loss and redundancy and marriage breakdown and, and, and falling out with your children and your friendships and those kinds of things are just kind of normal things of life, sad as it is. But the decisions you make and the way that you respond today, right now, will shape the next six months of your life. The next year, the next five years, the next 20 years, the next few decades of your life will be shaped by the decisions we make today with our lives. These things deeply matter. So, the picture, the image that is used with emotionally healthy spirituality is that of the iceberg. And for many of us, we kind of exist in the top 10%. We exist in that visible bit above the water. I realise the bottom bit is actually visible in this picture, so it doesn't help the illustration. But you get the point. Our world, our emotional life, is we, we kind of think it's just kind of crammed into that top bit. We, we don't want to go below the surface, let alone let God go there. Let alone let anybody else know that we even have an, a subterranean life. Lest they know who we really are and what we're really like. But in this series, we are going to take a dive with Jesus under the water and look at the 90%, the heart, our inner world. We love the appearance of the bit above, and so I chose an iceberg that's actually quite dirty, because let's face it, we're kind of messy people on the outside as well. Pete Cesaro in his book, he says this, the degree to which we are willing to give Jesus access to what is deeply beneath the surface in our lives is the degree to which we will experience freedom in him. How much you open your heart to Jesus willingly and allow him to take you to parts of life, parts of your character, habits, challenges, negative areas of life, how much you're willing to allow Jesus in on those spaces directly correlates to the degree to which we experience freedom in him. So, let me be really clear. The goal of this series is not that I or we want to try and change or fix people, because in fact we, we can't do that. I can't even change and fix myself. Let's be honest. Change is really hard, isn't it? Even just this, the so say simple habits are really difficult to change. The, but the goal isn't to try and change anybody because that is God's work. But our goal is to encourage us, as I said, to open our inner worlds to Jesus so that he can do his work of renewal from the inside out. The goal is salvation and freedom. And 
I pray that through this series, if you're here and you don't know Jesus or you sort of know him, but you're not really a follower of him, you know things about him and you've kind of been sat on the edge of faith, my, my prayer for you is that this would be a moment of all in with Jesus. Saying, I need, I need a rabbi, a teacher, a shepherd like him to walk with me in life, to bring me into freedom and fullness of life. That you hear about his death, his life, his resurrection through this series. You, you hear about him forgiving sin, bringing hope eternal, joy eternal. And your heart kind of says, Jesus, I'm here. I want to be part of that with you. But also my prayer is that through this series, there's a, there's a word in Greek that talks about salvation in the, kind of, in the biggest sense, in the widest sense, sozo. And, and when Jesus healed people, the word used is sozo. When he forgave people their sin, he, he brought sozo to them. As he restored communities and relationships, they experienced sozo. And, and my prayer is that for us, follower of Jesus, we would stop living Christian lives like we're just through the door and we would step into experiencing that salvation work of God, that full breadth of the salvation of Jesus Christ. Salvation from sickness. We've just broken bread. And the Apostle Paul challenges the Corinthians directly that some of them are ill and fallen asleep because of the way what's going on in their heart when they break bread. We have a holy God. That's a challenge to think, please don't hear what I'm not saying. That your sickness is because necessarily that you're sinning right now, but maybe we have bodies that are trying to tell us things about ourselves. God uses them. Salvation from oppression. And I am aware that we have been through this pandemic and I, I feel like there, for many, it's been a deep trauma. And you see, you come out of it, and you see others kind of getting on with life and running in life and seemingly doing fine, and yet you feel stuck and broken and fearful and afraid and embarrassed about it. It was a genuine trauma. And I believe that Jesus wants to take us, some of us, back to that and say, I want to bring healing. I want to set you free from that fear. I want to bring joy and peace and fullness of life back in. You are not to be oppressed as the people of God. The result of us opening our heart to Jesus in this way is deeply changed lives. And changed people change the world. Changed people change the world, which is why, actually, yes, there are things we have to do as a church. There are places to go, church to plant, all of those kinds of things. But what Jesus is looking for is a people who are faithful to him, who walk with him, who do what he does and, and become like him in every pattern and habit of our life. Following him, and as we do that, the river of life flows. And the world is changed. It goes from hard work of trying to do the kingdom to the joy of just being a kingdom citizen. I, and there's moments, isn't there, where we taste those things. We just see it, we kind of go, God, this is when we know when that's happening, because we kind of go, I didn't really do anything. God did it. I just have the joy of experiencing God in my life. Let me say something that, if you're not a follower of Jesus, may offend you, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. Christians are to be the most free and experience the most freedom of all people because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Christians are to be the most free and experience the most freedom of all people. 
free from sin, addiction, fear, oppression, grief, anger, so on and so on. In fact, we're to live a bit like these guys, this famous photo. No, we're not. Right. Well, in 1932, you'll know the photo. 1932, at the height of the Great Depression, when things were getting severe in America, this photo was taken. Unemployment, uncertainty was a backdrop for the nation. It could be felt right around the country and even to other nations. And these steel workers putting up, um, whatever the building was called, um, somebody tell me. I want to hear about that too. Mm, maybe. Rock, Rockefeller Center, thank you. Um, and these guys living a carefree life, lunch break, sharing cigarettes, sharing lunch, just chilling, just chatting about the world with, whilst this backdrop is going on, let alone that they were sat there, not with a one foot drop, but with a seemingly 600 foot drop. They just seem to kind of be free in life. That is what Christians should look like. Out on a limb, and yet not fearful. The reality is this, that this photo, in fact, was staged for an advertising campaign. And there's a lot, sorry, Tom. <laughs> there's actually a whole bunch of them, a whole bunch of different scenarios. Yet these guys were real steel workers putting up this factory, but it was staged, and word has it that just our photo was indeed a safety ledge, that it wasn't quite as risky. But we are called to be the most free of all people. So I'm aware of the time, I haven't even actually got to my preach yet. This is... <laughs> so we do two options, and no work. And parents going to get, don't go. What? on some fairly deep challenges in life that are real, about our family of origin, events from our past, traumas that we faced, breakdowns that we've walked through. But I want to ask us to believe God in this moment, to activate faith. So for some, let's believe that God wants to bring physical healing as he brings inner healing and inner freedom to us. For some in this room, you, you've not grown in your walk with Jesus for a long time. It's just become a stagnated act of religion, dare I say. You've not moved on. You've kind of got in this middle-aged rut, stuck in the mud. But I believe that God wants to call us to grow up and mature in this moment to get out of those ruts of life. For some, you've been holding on to, clinging on to anger, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, rage, jealousy, envy, for far too long. And you even punish yourselves because you know it doesn't honor God. You want to believe that God wants to set us free 
from those patterns of thinking in this, over these weeks. Believe that God wants to set us free from shame. That when Jesus says, if anyone's in Christ, and when Paul says, if anyone's in Christ, you're a new creation, we say, no, my past is gone. It's been removed as far as the east is from the west. I'm a new creation. I'm a, I'm a Jesus person. I have fullness of life. He, he can deal with my sin perfectly well, and I'm going to run to him over and over again with that. But I'm aware that this will be uncomfortable for many. For many of us, we're scared of our emotions because of our family of origin. Because we never did conflict as a family. Or maybe we only ever did conflict as a family. From some of us, we're scared of emotions because we've grown up in churches where it's about what goes on up here rather than in here. And you'd be told emotions are kind of untrustworthy. We just look to the Bible and do what it says. Well, that's good. But God calls us to guard our heart. Hey everyone, welcome back to part two of my preach. For some reason yesterday, you all got up and left. I have no idea why, so I'm continuing part two on my own in this building. Um, so let's get going. The key teaching point that we've just come to is simply this, that our fruitfulness in the kingdom of God, that is the, the impact that we long to have in our marriages, our families, our workplace, our college, our neighborhoods is directly dependent on the receptivity and health of our hearts. Our fruitfulness in God's kingdom is dependent on the receptivity and health of our hearts. That's the first point I want us to engage with as we head into emotionally healthy spirituality. And so I have a simple question for you in relation to that. And it's this, do you know the condition of the soil of your heart? Do you know how receptive and open your heart is to the things of God, to the word of God, to the spirits leading within your life? What's the condition of your heart? And so we're going to look at Jesus' parable that he tells about soil conditions in Matthew 13. We're going to just, uh, for a few moments, work through that and Yes, I'm aware that Jesus is talking about people receiving the kingdom of God, the good news of the gospel, the person and work of Jesus, and about receiving salvation found in him. But I think it goes deeper than that also, and I think it does talk about the condition of our heart in general. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, how am I doing at walking with Jesus and allowing him to shape the contours of my life, to bring fruit and fullness of his kingdom into my life? So Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, 
other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So let's lean in, let's listen to Jesus, let's take hold of what Jesus is saying in that parable because he goes on in verse 18 to unpack it for us. He says this, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. Verse 19, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed that is sown along the path. And this is a picture of hard soil, um, seed that cannot penetrate to the soil. It's just on the surface. It doesn't penetrate. Hearts that aren't receptive in any way to what the kingdom of God is doing in and through our lives right now. So for a few minutes, I want us to look at some causes of hardness of heart. Why might it be that you and I potentially can have hard hearts to the work of God and his kingdom in our life? What causes that in us? So the first thing is this, that sin can cause us to have a hard heart to the work of God, that it begins to desensitize us and deaden us to the work of God. Sin has that effect upon us as we take um, hold of things that don't honor God, as we do habits that don't honor God, as we live our lives in ways that are not how God has intended us to do so. Persistent sin, ongoing habitual sin, utterly can deaden our hearts to the work of God and his kingdom. And what happens over time is we, we have this little voice, don't we, called our conscience, which it really is for Christians, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us and leading us in the things of God, and we get the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and something comes along that we find attractive, and we, we, we know it's not particularly good, and we're kind of drawn towards it, and the Holy Spirit says to us, you know that's not good for you. You know it's not going to bring you life. You know it's definitely not going to bring you fullness of life. It isn't life-giving. In fact, it may well even end up hurting you and hurting others around you. And we kind of wrestle inside. We go, I know, I know it's not good for me, but I like it and I want it. And then so the Holy Spirit says, I'm I'm telling you, this is not good for you. But we get to that point where we choose it regardless. And then we have this cycle, which I'm sure is common to many of us, that what's the immediate thing that happens? You feel bad. You feel bad. You feel guilt and shame. And so we confess our sin because Jesus is faithful and just and he forgives us our sin and he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we go on our way, but a few days later, again, along comes this shiny thing that isn't good for us. And we're back there again, Holy Spirit saying, you know that's not good for you. It doesn't give you life. It doesn't bring you joy. It doesn't fill the longing of your heart. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt others. And we make that decision again. We say, I know that, but but I want it and I like it. And we go through that cycle again and again and again until we begin to desensitize and deaden our hearts to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That actually we begin to not even hear the Holy Spirit's voice saying, hold on, God's got good things for you. He wants to lead you into life and fullness of life and things that build you up and strengthen you. But we begin to lose the ability to hear that voice anymore because we've hardened our heart to sin. Uh, We've hardened our heart to the work of God because of 
sin. And that is what happens as we deaden our hearts to God, to the word and presence of God in our lives. The Apostle Paul, he put it like this, that the wages of sin is death. We are deadened in our hearts, in our inner being. We're emotionally disconnected from God. And so we need to take sin incredibly seriously. And for some of us, even as I say that, we'll know that there are patterns, there are areas of life where we have habitual sin patterns, we're stuck in sin, we're addicted to certain types of sin, certain places we go often, and we go there and we tell ourselves a story of why it's okay, why it's acceptable. But I want to say this to you, there is good news and there is freedom for you if that is you today. Because I've just said it, that Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he wants to lead us into fullness of life, true life, into freedom in him. And he is able to separate our sin from us as far as the east is from the west. The second cause of our hearts being hardened is that we can end up disconnecting from our hearts through pain, through painful experiences through trauma and grief. We're going to look at this in more detail in the coming weeks. But what can happen is that we can experience pain and it can be overwhelming for us. The pain in the moment that it happens, it's so overwhelming that we actually separate ourselves from that pain. And that's what happens in grief, isn't it? We are shocked and we're often in denial and we find ourselves saying things like, that hasn't really happened. It can't be possible. A few years ago, um, just after the first lockdown happened, I took Jude mountain biking, which probably wasn't the most sensible idea in the middle of a pandemic. And of course, um, Jude came off his bike and he was walking back up to me and he had a big graze on his elbow and he said, look, I've, I've bashed my elbow in. Um, what he didn't realize was at the same time, he had a big dip in his wrist. His elbow really wasn't his problem. It was the fact that his wrist was bent in an angle it shouldn't have been. And the pain, the, the instant pain and the shock of that accident actually caused Jude to not even be able to feel the pain of his body in that moment. And he couldn't actually believe that his arm was broken um, because of the pain factor. And so I said, I think we should probably should go and get this checked. Um, and of course, he went and he had doctors pulling on his arm, lots of gas and air, trying to straighten it out. He had to go through the whole procedure of having it pinned so that that break was healed over time and that he could then carry on with his life. And pain happens in life, doesn't it? Pain is one of those things, grief, loss, sadness, hurt, physical pain that we have to journey through. But the body has a way of protecting us. The mind has a way of protecting us from the full effect so that we're not overwhelmed in those moments. But what is true for us physically, what was true for Jude physically in that he, his body protected him from feeling that pain is also can be true often for us emotionally. That when we experience pain, trauma and grief, we can numb ourselves to that. And we can find different ways, different outlets to numb ourselves or try and distract ourselves from experiencing emotionally that pain. So we can end up drinking a bit too much. And it might not just be a pain in the, in the moment of an event. It might be ongoing long term. It may just be I switch off from life and I, and I watch Netflix as my out. 
I just have Friday evening as my finish line so that I can get a glass of wine and then I carry on. Or I come home from holiday and I'm, I'm in no way refreshed. I'm straight back on booking the next holiday as soon as I'm done. And we can hide from pain because emotionally it's costly. It's painful. And in the short term, some of those things can sometimes be okay. We, we, we're able to do some of those things as ways of coping in the moment. But when our short-term habits become our long-term survival strategy, we begin to deaden our hearts to the work of the Spirit, and we can end up being in trouble. So what became a coping strategy becomes an addiction. What was a coping strategy at one time suddenly becomes a, a, a mechanism of doing life without God. But here's the good news. Here's what God wants to do in that moment is that he wants to come by his grace and embrace us and say, I know that thing that happened to you all that time back that you've been, you've been hiding from, that you've disconnected from that pain. He says, I want to take you there and I want to bring healing, refreshment, renewal. I want to bring joy in the place of fear. I want to bring hope in the place of overwhelm. I want to take you back so that we can move forward together and run into all I have for you. So we can desensitize our heart through sin. That's the first one. We can disconnect from our hearts through pain. And then thirdly, we can distance ourselves from our heart through neglect. And I think for many of us, this may well be true. That the place of our hearts, the the seat of our inner person, we can end up not really knowing how we feel about things because it's costly, because it's a painful process at times. We don't really know how we feel about ourselves and where we are in life. And maybe some of these symptoms are ouch moments for you. What does this look like? We get busy. We get incredibly busy. We distance ourselves from our heart because we neglect our hearts by being busy. We may have career ambitions, wanting to make money. We want social lives and we, we want to we want to just enjoy all that we have in life, but we just are busy in life. There's no space, no breathing room, no space to sit down, to just be with ourselves and the people around us. In fact, we're so busy that we begin to distance ourselves even from relationships that are good with us. And we can end up neglecting our hearts and we distance ourselves from our hearts, from our emotion. So we don't even know how we actually are doing ourselves. I wonder for us in our culture here in the UK that that is something that is huge for us. We, we don't know how we're really doing because we are so busy. And so here's quickly some side effects of hardness of heart. These are maybe clues that for some of us, our hearts are in need of the care and love of Jesus in this moment. So here's just some signs that this may be uh, going on in your life. The first is this, that decision-making, when we have a hard heart to God, becomes really difficult. Big decisions about the future, relationships, career, we become stuck in making big decisions. We find it difficult. We don't know which way to turn, where to go with those decisions. We can't even connect to our longings and goals and desires that we have in our hearts for our life. And that can be one of the effects of hardness of heart. We just don't know how to make decisions. 
The second is this, that we end up just drifting through life. So if you're not in uh, touch with your emotions, with your heart, and you don't know what you want to give your life to and what really matters, you end up just drifting, a bit like a boat that's untethered. You just drift on the currents of life, whether that's in a job or relationship or even in your following of Jesus. And then a year goes past, five years goes past, a decade goes past, and maybe this question is painfully familiar to you. You look back and you said, where did that go? Where did those five years go? Where did that last year go? How did I get here? The reality is that we've slept through that moment. We've drifted through it because we weren't aware of our heart or the desires that God had placed us in our heart. That can be a real key indicator that our hearts are hardened to God, that the seed of God's word is unable to penetrate. We're just drifting in life. And then the third effect of a hard heart is this, that our development, our growth gets stunted. And this can happen when somebody experiences trauma of any kind, in fact, whether it's relational or physical, whether you're a child or an adult. And what happens when we experience a trauma, a life event that is life-changing at times, is catastrophic at other times, is that we can, if we're not in touch with our hearts and our emotions, we can freeze in that place emotionally. And we get stuck in that place and we can't move on. Our growth is stunted. We're emotionally frozen at a certain stage of life if you are unable to thaw out from that, the effects of that trauma emotionally, to come and engage with your heart and process and be with God in that place of emotion and uh, just being honest about how you feel and what you've experienced. And so you begin to hear people say things like, I never got over what he or she did to me. I never recovered after I lost my family member. You see, adults behaving like children, not just guys being a bit childish at times, but you actually see adults, when they come to stressful situations, revert back to a childlike behavior because through a trauma, through a, a, a seismic event like that, they've become emotionally stuck, emotionally frozen in an area of life. But again, here's the good news. Jesus cares about you. He cares about that. And he wants you to help. He wants to help you access your heart to go to that place and bring you life and freedom and joy and fullness of life, which was the story of the woman at the well who Jesus met and brought freedom into her life. So let's carry on in Matthew 13, verse 20. The next type of seed falls on rocky ground. It refers to someone, this is Jesus explaining it, and it refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, it only lasts for a short time. When in trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they will quickly fall away. And Jesus is saying there are people whose hearts are, have a shallow receptivity to the word of God, to the seed of the kingdom of heaven. And these are people in this context of emotions we're talking about who miss out on kingdom fruit because they're kind of people that don't do depth. I'm not talking about introverts and extroverts, but they're the kind of people who 
who just can't go to those hard places. Somebody asks them a question that's about opening up. How do you feel? I'm sorry you're going through that tough situation. And people with shallow soil in their life for the work of the Spirit can't acknowledge it and just avoid the question. They don't want to go to those hard places. They don't like having to deal with these kind of challenges in life. And they operate at a superficial level. In fact, maybe this is you. And even as I say this, you... you you just recognize that in your own life. And when somebody asks you a question, I'm so sorry, you're going through that tough situation. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Can I help with anything? You just panic on the inside and close up when you're in fact asked to open up. But again, here's the good news. Jesus cares about this. He cares about you and he wants to help you access your heart to bring you to life emotionally. Then the third, kind of soil, uh, the third kind of soil condition in our hearts can be this, verse 22. Jesus said that the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Again, I think this is so common for us in our culture that we can have so much going on in life. We are so busy. There's no room for error. There's no margin, no breathing space. And it's, it can even be full of good things, good things, kingdom things even. But we are so busy and so full that actually emotionally we are overwhelmed. And maybe that's you and your primary thinking in this kind of instance is I can't cope. Like I said earlier, I need a holiday after a holiday. We are just busy. Some of us, we're busy trying to do God's work for him. We're trying to be busy pleasing God by adding in more. Maybe if I just do a bit more, maybe if I just honor God, maybe if I just say yes to this thing and yes to that thing and yes to that thing, not only will people be pleased with me, but so too God will be pleased with me. Our lives can be so busy that we're so overwhelmed and we don't cope. But what God wants to do with you in that instance, if that's your heart, the condition of your heart, is he wants to not just simply ask you to invest in busyness of life, but he wants to ask you and invite you to invest in looking at your heart, to reflect on your heart, to invest yourself into his kingdom, not, as I say, simply busyness, but in relationship with the king, to walk with him. Because Jesus said, didn't he, that, he wants us to come to him when we have all the worries of the world, the burden of life on our shoulders. He wants us to come and lay that down and take on his burden, which is easy and light. And finally, there's another kind of soil condition that Jesus brings us to. Verse 23, he says this, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus is saying this is what somebody who is really open to allowing Jesus to access every area of their heart and life, the, their emotions and their inner world, the below the surface of the iceberg, that's what it's like. That person has the soil condition of their heart is ripe for the word of Jesus, ripe for the presence of Jesus. They're in touch with their emotions. They're aware of who they are and who God is 
also. That's an amazing yield, isn't it? 30, 60, or 100 times. And to me, that sounds like living. That sounds like fullness of life. That sounds like the kingdom of God is among us. And I don't know about you, but that's the one I want. Is yes, Jesus, I want to be fruitful in life with you. I want fullness of life. I want to enjoy life. So Lord, I want my heart to be open and receptive to you and your word. Show me my heart, O oh God. Examine my heart today. Lord, you already know my heart, but help me to know my heart also. So the question for us today is this. What's the state of your heart? Do you, do you even know? Are you even aware what the state of your heart is? And I, I am well aware that in different seasons of life, different circumstances, this can be a tough, difficult question to answer. But the good news is we've got an assessment tool, a diagnostic tool, if you want. And we're going to ask us as a church family, personally, each one of us to go through over this week um, this emotionally healthy spirituality personal assessment of how emotionally healthy are you. The plan is that each week throughout emotionally healthy spirituality, we're going to have a practice, um, something that we can take away week by week to engage with, to put some roots into God down, to engage our hearts and open our, um, uh, the, the, our hearts to Jesus in an area of life whether it's in prayer, spending time in his word. We want to give ourselves a, a practice, something to tangibly do and get hold of that helps us open our hearts before God. And so we're going to ask that we, as a church, go through this personal assessment. Just as a um, heads up, the first time I did this, I found it really difficult to be honest with myself. And in the book where this um, questionnaire is laid out, uh, throughout the book I'd been underlining different bits that I found God was speaking to me uh, speaking to me through. But as I came to this um, assessment, I left that page blank. And I was chatting to Callum uh, a couple of years back about it. And he said that he did it. And he said when he got there, he filled it in. And it was all, um, it was all like his page was full of notes and everything. And I said, I was so scared that one day somebody would pick up my book and see how emotionally, how much of an emotional mess I am with all the answers that I'd given to this assessment. This is a tough questionnaire. But I want to encourage you to take, to find an hour just to sit down, be with God and open your heart to him. To allow yourself to answer this question, the questions on this assessment truthfully. I'm not really interested in what the score is that you're given at the end. That's not the goal of it. The goal of this is just to say, to sit with God and be honest about your heart. Be open to him as you answer these questions. In fact, as you look at the questions, don't just be quick to say, oh, I know that one. Invite the Holy Spirit into that space, into your heart, and say, Holy Spirit, where am I on this question? And so, as I say, each, each week we've got a different tool for us to help us form habits of opening our emotions and our inner world to Jesus. I wonder what the emotion is that you're feeling today. I wonder what the overriding emotion is in life at the moment. Maybe it's disappointment or joy, fear or sadness, anger or hope. I just want to say, I, maybe if it's hard to answer that question easily, what's the emotion of your heart and life right now? It may be that 
God wants to come and meet you in and through this series? If it's hard to answer that question, it could be that there's a problem. But the good news is God wants to embrace you. He wants to move you on from that place. He wants to connect you and integrate you with your heart. In Revelation chapter 3, we're told that Jesus is standing at the door of our heart and he is knocking. And he says, if you open the door, I want to come into your life, come into your heart. I want to fellowship with you. I want to hang out with you. I love being with you. And he says, I want to give you living water, that you have a, a river of life flowing through your heart, from your heart. I want to lead you into life that is fullness of life. So Jesus today is at the door of our hearts and he's knocking. And I, I just want to invite us, this is deeper than just simply saying, Jesus, I receive you as Lord and Savior. This is about receiving him as a companion in life afresh. Allowing him to, to, to walk with you. To bring healing and wholeness into areas of our life that we struggle with. But here's the challenge. We've got to open the door to him. An early church, Father John Chrysostom, he said it like this, find the door of your heart and you will discover that it is the door to the kingdom of God. Find the door of your heart, you will discover it is the door of the kingdom of God. So this is what Jesus is inviting us to through emotionally healthy spirituality and I hope it's a joy and an excitement and I hope even as we begin talking about these things together, engaging on these things together, working through the day-by-day -day book together over the coming weeks, I hope there's an anticipation, an anticipation and an expectation of I want to grow in Jesus. I want to know my heart that I might encounter the kingdom of God afresh every day. So as we go into this week, can I encourage us, let's even just day by day, just be attentive to the state of our heart in these days. And let's allow Jesus to bring us into the fullness of life.